Hello and welcome to the Sovereign Collective Podcast, where we bring you real raw truth for your self-empowerment. I'm your host, Sasha Calavota, and I believe that you can stand on your own two feet, but that you don't have to do it alone. I love learning from people who continually strive to raise the bar, to go against mainstream thinking, and who dare to question the general consensus. People are risking ridiculed or even risk the loss of their professional status as they bravely question the common narratives and challenge the rest of us to expand our minds and to reconsider what we think we already know. Join me in learning how to take control of your health and your mind so that you can have the energy to think more clearly and the confidence to step up and take responsibility for all aspects of your life. We promise to never censor here because I believe you are strong enough to hear the real raw truth to make up your own mind. If you like what you find here at the Sovereign Collective Podcast, then please share with your friends and family. And please also consider making a small donation on my Patreon page so that I can continue to bring you amazing content so that we can all create a better future. I so appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in. And now, on to the show. All right, everyone. Hello, and thank you for joining us today. This is episode four of the Sovereign Collective podcast, where we give you real, raw truth for your self-empowerment. I am Sasha Calavota, and it is September 24th, 2020. And as you know, this year has been different than any other year ever to date. And the world has changed a lot in the last eight to nine months in this, I'm going to say, Rona era. There are a lot of measures being taken. There's a lot of division going on. We live in an era of sanitizing and fear and masking and distancing and all very unnatural ways of living for human beings. And one of my biggest concerns right now is the impact that these measures are going to have on our children. What the, me- the impact that they're having right now, which might not be very perceptible yet, maybe they are, I don't know, and the future, and what is the future going to look like if we continue living in this way, and what that impact is going to have on the development of our children mentally, emotionally, physically. And what really concerns me is what I'm finding is there are very few advocates for our children. Who is standing up for them? And when I think of advocacy for children, the first person that I think of is my guest today, Naomi Aldort, an amazing, amazing, do you go by parenting coach, counselor, what do you prefer, Naomi? Guide, usually. Guide, parenting guide, whatever you, an author, a parenting guide, extraordinaire, a world-renowned speaker. She travels the world. She is the author of this amazing book. Parents, if you don't have this book, this is the book that you want to have. This is the book, Raising Our Children, Raising Ourselves by Naomi Aldort. And it will really change the way you perceive your child's behavior. It'll give you an understanding as to why they're behaving the way they are. And it really gives lets you know your responsibility as a parent to understand that and you can transform that and through using her tools you can really transform the relationships within your home whether it's just uh the parenting or the 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 whole family dynamic can change with that so naomi's book amazing uh raising our children raising ourselves like i said she's a world-renowned speaker she does one-on-one consulting with families with parents and you can find her at her website, NaomiAldert.com. And we'll talk about that at the end as well, too. And I'll have the link here as well, where you can find her blog. You can connect with her. You can just really get to know who Naomi is and how she can help you in your parenting journey. Because I really feel that though her work, I think it should be more intuitive than it is. And it's not. It's very different than the parenting advice that we get in a lot of other media. So with that, I want to say thank you to Naomi. Thank you so much for being here. And 
let's get into what is, in a nutshell, your parenting style and, or not parenting, well, your parenting style, because you did raise three boys as well. And what your advice is to parents on that, and in a nutshell, what that philosophy looks like and how that is different than other people. Thank you, Sasha, and thank you for having me here. Uh, it's hard to say things in a nutshell. The title of the book kind of says it, Raising Our Children is Raising Ourselves. Uh, it's about seeing that any time we have a problem with a child, it's really us and not them. Uh, and it's about nurturing children to be themselves rather than being um, somebody that we supposedly create. So I teach parents to stop being God. Well, that's already done. Nature creates a human being. A child that comes through you is not owned by you and is not your creation. So the, the ego has to get out of the way. And that's a big grind for parents, but it's fantastic because it gets us to really grow and grind that ego and become who we already are, uh, the loving, kind, nurturing. And when you nurture a child for the world that he or she is becoming rather than your idea of who they should become, then your most important um, goal is that the child stays connected with themselves. And the more we tell a child to do what we want them to do, the less they're connected with themselves. So just quickly a few examples that start all the way in babyhood. Should I sleep with my baby or young child, or toddler, and even and children who are not that young? And people say, well, he won't be independent if he doesn't know to sleep by himself. And I say, no, he won't be independent if he's not doing what he feels right for himself. So if he feels right or he, she feels right for himself to sleep with you, the independence develops because she gets to actually do it. Mm. While if you teach her, don't listen to yourself, you're not a good source of what to do in life. You should do what I'm telling you to do, sleep in another bed, even though you're freaking out and scared of the dark and feeling isolated and need the contact with me, you need to learn to do this. What is the child learning is to disconnect from who they are, to not trust themselves, basically prescription for being symbolically molested or physically sometimes wow. at later age to fall for group pressure, to go for uh, media pressure, uh, to go for authority telling them what to do, including um, physical abuse or um, not, not doesn't have to go this way. I'm not saying that that guarantees all this kind of horrors. I'm saying that in principle, we want to raise a child who is so strongly rooted in themselves that no external power can control them the way our media is controlling us now, for example, uh, because they really listen inside, like, wait a minute this doesn't feel right. I know I need to sleep with my mommy or I know this school is bad for me or I know I don't want to be with this friend or I know I don't want to be with grandma. She isn't treating wow. me. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, even that or right. um, telling grandma don't touch without permission or kiss grandma goodbye and you know your child doesn't want to do it and saying to the child, you don't have to. If you want to, if you feel that you want to kiss your grandma, then you kiss her. If you don't, you don't have to. Say please and thank you, only if that's how you feel. So it runs contrary 
to the parenting that tries to shape children and control them. But I want to just say quickly, I always say to when I say these particular things in the beginning is don't feel guilty that you're not doing all of this. Most of us didn't grow up to know to do this. And know that when you respect a child completely as the world in creation that isn't your world and isn't for you and you are not the shaper of it, but the, the nurturer, like watering a flower so it'll grow, not if it grows your way and your timing, right. not frying the petals open because he's six years old, he should read now, or he should be able to do this now or that now, but really respecting that flower, really enhancing its own direction, what you get as a result is fantastically well-behaving children, not obedient, well-behaving, cooperating of their own free will, wanting to, to do what's right, loving because you're loving to them. It's like your child is your mirror, is the bottom line. Mm. How they are is how you treat them. The way you treat them is the way they're going to be in the world. If you control them, they're going to control you eventually and the next person and fight against you. So just yesterday I was interviewed and I had the question about um, how not to yell and scold children. And I said, you never have to yell and scold. If you actually respected them from the beginning, they want to cooperate. So if a child misbehaves because people know oh, my child is so difficult. Well, without feeling guilty, you have created that. It's not about guilt, though. It's about learn what you have done to create that so that you can stop doing that. Learn what is the valid cause of a child's hitting or, or throwing things or having those tantrums. How to learn from it and connect with the child and understand the valid reason for their behavior so we can eliminate the cause so that he doesn't need to hit his sister anymore. Because it's a real need that we have to understand. We can't just say, don't hit, don't hit. They can't help it. So there are lots more examples, but this is just a short introduction. Well, you're, you, you're so validating of the child. And what you say is like the child, I love what you say is that the child is always right. It doesn't mean you give them license to, to behave poorly, but there's a reason. And us as we're the adults, right? And it's up to us to yes. get to the bottom of that. And it's so respectful of the child and it treats them as a fully formed human, not a, an immature adult, but a fully formed human at where they're at. It's exactly. just so respectful. I just love it. Love it. Thank exactly. You. It really honors. It honors creation. Yes. It honors nature. It honors the child. And it doesn't mean that we don't provide, I call it leadership. True right. leaders and good leaders are those who don't need to control. <laughs> they, are they don't need to control they're responsive to what is needed out there for this flower this person to flourish so right. that they constantly make the conditions right or guiding in a way that actually works that speak into what the child is capable not incapable and not in control of emotionally or physically right Yes, leadership. I, I feel like we don't have as many leaders as we could use in this, this world. Well, every parent has an opportunity to be a leader. I actually have 
quite a few video from videos classes that I conducted in Europe, but they're in English. Um, and um, that talk about what is leadership as opposed to control. Right. Because a true leader, the child simply cooperates because they want to of their own free will, not to appease, not for praise, not for prizes, not for love. They want to because that's what they're seeing. That's their frame of reference of how the world works. It seems in my world, the child says to themselves, everybody is working to make it better for everybody. It's not control. It's cooperation, the nature of it. And I love one more thing I want to draw out is what you said is not about obedience. We, we really associate a well-behaved child with obedience. And that's one of the big things. And it's not always easy to raise a child that isn't obedient because that's what we tell our son. He's not necessarily obedient, but we're definitely open to, you know, a discussion if you don't feel that this is the right thing for you. But it's, we do, we, I remember having a discussion with one of our hockey moms and so he's a great child. He's very compliant. The first word that she said to describe him was compliant. Mm. And I thought, Ooh, wow. That is that what you want is, is you want a compliant adult as well? Like, and that's unfortunately, that's, I think this is a great segue into getting into where we're at right now, because we see a lot of compliance going on. Right. So you commented on my Facebook page. I had, there's a picture and there's a woman standing strong. I don't know what her sign was. And there's in her face, these masks, people just yelling and she's just strong. And I just found her to be this stoic, strong woman, peacefully standing her ground. And you had made a comment about um, basically approaching this situation because we're very divided right now. And we know this is the oldest tactic in the book. If you want to control anybody, you divide them first and then you conquer. We know that, but we're falling for it right now as we speak everywhere. We're so divided. It's like, it seems like nobody's in the middle. They're either way over here or way over there. So how do you hold your, like, so you approach where we have to honor, we listen, we validate, like with, as in your pa- parenting. It doesn't mean we have to agree, but we see it. So how do you, how do we do that right now when people are so divided? How do we cross that divide and unite? Somebody has to cross the divide regardless of where it is. It doesn't stay if you don't play into it. It's the same what you said in the playing into the fear. We're playing into that we're divided. We don't have to play into it. We just go in and approach with love. So for example, there was an event in Los Angeles, I don't know if you saw the YouTube video of it, of a bunch of um, uh, Republican supporters. They came with a truck and with music and sang a song. They used a melody of uh, YMCA. Oh, I think I did see that a while back. Yes, yes. And say, we don't have to hate, we can unite, uh, you know, just a very nice song for the most part, just uniting songs. So doing something like that, coming in, first of all, she didn't have to be there. I mean, it was an event of the other, you know, of these people and they wanted to do what they wanted to do. But if she wanted to contribute, getting together with people, I do that every day. I talk to people of all sides. I don't believe in sides. I teach in sibling rivalry, how to never take sides. I can listen. In fact, I feel that I have no right to have a strong opinion about anything unless I know the opinion of the other side better than they know it. Mm. 
I need to totally understand that. So for me, if I wanted to do something, what this woman did is more like a tantrum, like stamping your feet, two years old, I'm going to be me, don't tell me what to do. But where I would go with it is I would go in and say, hey, guys, how about we talk about what you believe in? I'd love to know. I'd love to understand your point of view. Tell me. And I would ask him a question and I would listen. And I would show understanding by repeating. That doesn't mean agreeing, but I can repeat it. So you are worried that this and this would happen. I get it. That's really scary. Tell me more. And mm -hmm. I would validate everything they say, but showing that I understand. And that is possible. Or sink together, or dunks together, talk to people, validate their concerns, because their concerns are true for them based on what they believe. And my concerns are true for me based on what I believe. I'm not arrogant about it. I'm not saying what I believe is necessarily 100% true. I could be wrong too. And I listen from that humble place. You know, it's like, ask, what scares you? Like, ask what scares you most about this politics or about, you know, the virus. And then when they tell you, say, oh, I see. So it's like this. Okay, tell me more. What is the most dangerous thing in your eyes about that? And you, you go next, next, validate, connect. And people just melt. Mm -hmm. Okay, so for example, with people from all parties and all sides, I have no problem hearing opinions that I don't agree with in the moment and even being open that I may change my opinion. I really listen like they have a point because everybody means well. They think, you know, everybody thinks they're the good one. You go into a room with two struggling children, each child feels they are in the right. It's the right. same for adults, human beings. They feel they're right. You, you have to connect with them. You have to ask them and listen to them as human beings and respect them totally. Like really honor who they are. Okay, so I had a post, for example, on my Facebook page. I mentioned mm -hmm. this to you briefly. And I had, you know, just put out there some intelligent questions we may ask because I feel... We're not asking enough questions in general about we're just believing, we're seeing, we're watching, and we're just, a lot of people are just accepting the mainstream and they're just, they're just spewing that back out without asking. Well, because if, if you can do basic math, you're going to have some questions if you pay attention to it right now, right? Like this, what is being done and what the actual situation, there's a mismatch going on right now. So I, I, around the vaccine situation, I put questions out and then she had asked me, I, and I probably wasn't as generous with her in my response to her initial comment as you would be, but I wasn't rude either. I just invited her to maybe do some independent research. And then basically she just responded back. Okay. Murderer. That's what her response was. She, she called me a murderer. And I was like, wow, that, that's a strong word. So I dedicate my life to understanding health and wellness and helping people with it, right? So, and she knows nothing about me. So how does one respond to that? Because that's hateful. Well, first of all, one has to realize that one caused it. In other words, when we are really good at communication, then we're not likely to be called murderer. 
Again, not to okay. feel guilty, just like I say to the Oh, I'm, I'm totally open. I, I'm totally open. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But, but my question would be, how did you create that? So you look at what you wrote in the conversation on Facebook. You can go back to it. Um, maybe after we do this, you can actually show it to me. And I can show you what ignited that level of hate. Uh, so when I teach how you talk to another person, even if you want to teach them something that opposes the point of view, you have to completely be with them on their path and help them ask questions by asking them questions rather than teaching them. So often I would say to a person, so, so you're so afraid of this, tell me more about what they know. And okay, let's say they see the mainstream narrative. And I would say, and, and you are sure that this is all really the way it is i mean do you have personal evidence have you checked the other side and if they say yeah i've checked it i would leave it i wouldn't have the conversation because this person is not open-minded right uh, but if they ask me well what's your point of view i say well i have a i have a different point of view uh that i can share with you uh but then i would not say it in a way that makes them wrong i wouldn't you know i would be sure to not speak about that their idea is wrong, not fight the dark, but bring in the light. Right. So here is what I know and some benefits of strengthening the immune system and actually encountering the virus. You know, one of my sons um, really wanted to get COVID and he mm. succeeded. <laughs> he and went. succeeded. He did. Succeeded. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he had COVID. Uh, and now he feels like he's free because whether or not the theory that he's, it can come back is true, right. his body knows to deal with it. And he has experience to prove that. So he's right. not afraid of it. It was no big deal. Right. Um, and he did the test. So he proved it. He got a positive. He, got, he lost his taste buds. Other than that, his life continued just fine other than he isolated by the rules. But he went hiking. He went right. mountain climbing. <laughs> while being sick with right. a friend who wasn't afraid. So uh, anyway, so he didn't give it to anybody. This has been two months ago and we know no, nobody around him or that he knew nobody got it. He even spent time when he already had it with his uh, five-year-old daughter and, and ex-wife uh, and none, none got it. Right. Know, it the, one of the scare things uh, that operates so well on people is that you get it even if you don't have any symptoms, you can give it to somebody. And when they proved that that's not true, they immediately opposed it. I don't know if okay. you remember. There yeah. Was a oh, immediately. Thing. Immediately. Yeah. The immediately. next day, you know, oh, somebody got their knuckles wrapped. Yeah. I think it was the same day. I mean, it was oh, like, okay. okay. The news came out that it actually isn't possible. That right. 100% was not happening yeah. and then oh no 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 that was mistake whoever you know right away canceling it um so everybody's still putting the mask on even if they're healthy mm -hmm. because they think they could give it to somebody um anyway i i'm diverting here and forgetting where what we're talking about so back to the to the child or why don't you help me remember what or just you were talking about your, your son and how he got and just, oh, yeah. and just yeah. question, giving them questions. And I think what I want to say is my husband is a coach as well too. And there's a lot of overlap with what you're saying and what he's saying, because he really coaches on radical self-responsibility, but questioning, not telling and not polarizing, right? Don't right. make them wrong. And that's my, one of my big 
areas where I'm growing there's here is no really them. focusing. There's no that. Right. Well, it's, it's like, right. And that polarizing, right? It's not us versus them. Exactly. Exactly. Think, it's think that it's your own child. Yeah. You know, and, and my own child has this opinion and he told me not to talk to him about it. So I have to respect it. I can't talk to him about the subject, you know, when he doesn't want to talk about it. Right. So you ask a person, would you like to know what I know? I've listened to something else. And if they say no, you respect them. It's not right. them. It's you. It's your child. It's, it's, it's your arm. It's your leg. It's life. It's we're here together. Right. It's, we are one. And until we are realizing that, that we're one with the microbes, one with right. the viruses, one with the bacteria, one with the air, until then we won't do the right thing to return the world to healthy planet, air and water and agriculture, all of it, it's all together. And we need to be strong rather than victims uh, and, and fearful. So it's really, you know, when you look, uh, there are pandemics that are real, but not, you know, I don't want to say it's not real. Some people died and there are people who have COVID. Well, they say the, 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 the original definition of the pandemic was a 7% death rate. I mean, we're less than 0.2%. Oh, there is no pandemic. I mean, yeah. let's be honest. Let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. All, all cause mortality is not up. Yes. So. Yeah. Um, but the greatest physical pandemic today is autoimmune diseases, which I personally believe is contributed to or totally caused by vaccines. Uh, I grew up in a country that didn't do vaccines as early as America. So I lived in a country that did not have arthritis, that did not have ALS, that did not have multiple sclerosis. I didn't know of these diseases ever. And we mm -hmm. had all the measles and chicken pox and, and, and the rubella and whooping cough. Our parents would send us to get the disease. Yeah. So we all, they said it's best to get it by age 10 or 12. You get it a lot lighter and you have immunity for life. Not only that, you have immunity that as women, we pass on to the babies. You know, right. measles or whooping cough can be dangerous to a newborn. But if a mother had it as a child, as opposed to being vaccinated, she will pass the, the immunity to a newborn for quite a while, as long as she's breastfeeding. Right. And in utero. So we're actually endangering, we're creating death, uh, you know, if, if children get it, because vaccines does not give you that kind of security. No. No. So anyway, the greatest physical pandemic that we have, autoimmune diseases, heart cancer and diabetic and we don't see the government or anything put billions of dollars to stop coca-cola from feeding people to stop agriculture from being toxic to stop junk food which is did you know yesterday mexico they're coming up with rules against eating junk food and producing junk food i know they will they want to remove gmos out of their out of their farming like you yeah yeah you know, and in, in our country, it's money first. Oh, GMO makes more yeah. money. Never mind, it poisons the people and causes them cancer and everything. Uh, never mind, you know, Coca-Cola makes a lot of money and their workers, etc. that work for it. Can't replace it with orange juice. No, absolutely not. We have to keep it Coca-Cola 
and that kills people. And that is killing a lot more people Way year more. after year after year after year. We're talking, you know, 100%, yep. 1,000% bigger numbers and no hysteria, no nothing, no doing anything about it. So it's like, it makes you very suspicious that the whole doing is about money, is about, you know, if you keep people scared enough, then you give them vaccine, then the pandemic may go on by itself, go away by itself, but you can say then the, the vaccine's got it away. So now, you know, every year you have to do vaccine to keep it away, uh, you know, and maybe Crazy. that sounds like too much, like a conspiracy theory. I don't mean that anybody within the system means something bad. I think uh, people are working on vaccines, honestly believing that it's something good, uh, but it's not good for everybody. It can be very harmful. It can cause autoimmune diseases long-term, uh, multiple sclerosis uh, and such. Uh, well, yeah, one, the, the one AstraZeneca trial has already caused MS yeah. in one person who they're claiming now. And they, they picked the healthiest, healthiest people for those tests, right? One MS and one uh, transverse myelitis, which is basically polio symptoms. Can you send me a link about that? Yes, I will find that for you. Yeah. Our talk. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, so there is that pandemic, and then there is the pandemic of fear, um, physical and emotional, uh, of the escaping the storm, which which what I talked about before, um, and and that is that is a horrendous pandemic because if we raise, do you know the movie uh, Secret Garden or the story? Yes. Yes. Uh, and you know that boy Colin boy, is yes. isolated and he can't handle you know, the spores, the germs, because he's never been in real air and all his windows are closed and he can't walk because he doesn't use his legs. It's the same thing. If we live sterile life, we can't live on this planet. This planet is germs, bacteria, viruses. That's this planet. We need to strengthen. We need to eat organic, whole, real food that does not produce sugar in the body. We need to breathe good air to exercise. We need to also expose our children to extreme temperature. Mm. We are, our body, you know, did you know that the immune system is the same as the system that creates heat in the body? So if you go in very cold with short sleeves and it's zero degrees outside uh, and your body has to create heat, it mm -hmm. practices the immune system. Right. Something like that. I'm not right. an expert on it, but it's, it's the same mechanism. We need to give the body opportunity to have extreme hot, extreme cold, and recover on its own, not just come out of the snow and go into a hot bath, right. but actually move around until your body creates the heat. Right. So, I think that's a form of hormesis, these, these small stressors that lead to robustness, to, to leads right. to, to resilience. Right. We're exposing ourselves to these extremes short term. Exactly. And mm -hmm. we are so spoiled, especially in the United States with our heating system. Everything is like, what? We're we are comfortable between 70 degrees and 72 degrees. Is that it? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Above that, it's too hot for me. I need air condition under that. I, right. need, I mean, you know, and layers and layers and shoes for hiking and shoes for this and shoes for that and head for this and head for that, an industry that again, pollutes the world uh, and doesn't live with the world, but it's all about dividing ourselves and not being comfortable with. 
You know, right. so you see people like the people who follow Wim Hof, yes. uh, the Iceman, mm -hmm. and, and they go back to the way human beings normally supposed to be. You know, uh, Weston Price, the researcher, he went from society to society and he discovered children and people standing in the snow with short sleeves and bare feet as if nothing. That's just normal. Right. Yeah. They don't even, you know, they are not even doing this or they're just standing there and he's talking to them, interviewing them about their lifestyle and they're barefoot on, on a piece of snow in the middle of the winter with short sleeves and dresses. It was, I think the picture is mostly of girls. Uh, so what are we doing to our children when we tell them to be afraid of everything emotionally and then we also give them the conditions of life like Colin in Secret Garden where everything is so protected they won't be able to handle anything. Right. We'll have a sick society on the one hand unable to handle uh, any, any extremes doesn't ever get to exercise and practice dealing with viruses or with cold and hot and, and climbing and running out of breath and doing difficult things on the one hand. On the other hand, bombarding them with toxic food and toxic air and toxic water. I mean, it's a prescription for annihilation of society in, the, in the extreme. So, uh, and, and then the pandemic of fear. So I would like to, to teach kids to teach parents to expose children more not less not if a child is a problem and i'm not talking about exposing them to cholera i'm not a, you know to something right. that yeah. really kills yeah but talking about strengthening the body body so if a more serious disease comes they're strong yeah, and also with the way we're treating the planet we're going to have more and more pandemics because in this isolation and this biological treatment of the earth, we are just sowing the ground for more and more uh, viruses because they're the result of what we're doing. Right. And they get, then I think the air pollution is a big part. The pollution. Zach talks about how, Dr. Zach Bush talks about how the, the air pollution, the PM 2.5 and the air, which is as its greatest right this year because of the Australia fires and right. the California fires last year, there's a lot more like the cyanide and the PM 2.5 particulate. And ah. that has an ability to take that virus and drive it in. Exactly. Right? Which is, and so the more vulnerable people who have not made the best choices in their life who might be on a lot of medications, they, they, are, they are suffering as a result. Exactly. So, so what I need, but let me say one okay, more thing okay, about sure, this. Yeah not just cold, you need to raise children with less comfort. You know, take mm. them out into the cold, take them to the cold water, let them run barefoot. Don't give them food as entertainment every time they're a little hungry. Right. It's all right to be hungry. It's actually healthy to be hungry. Uh, we need to stop the snacking industry. Oh, and I'm trying that with my son. Oh, yes. oh my God. You know, the body needs a break between meals. Yes, it does. If you have very nutritious meal that's dense with real nutrition, you're not hungry. You know, I eat very late in the day. I haven't eaten yet today. And when I eat, I'm full for like seven hours. Yeah. And, and when you eat this way, when it's really nutritionally dense, not sugars, not grains and beans and all this stuff we make from them, you don't have to make food. Food comes prepared. And what comes prepared is good for you. So 
not running for solutions for everything. Oh, mommy, I'm cold. It's all right. You can handle being cold. Parents tell me, what do I do? I, I, I'm trying to tell him to put the coat on. It's cold outside. And he right. tells me I'm not cold. I say, great. They're not cold. They don't need the coat. Their body is learning to create heat. Don't take that away from them. Don't teach their body to need the coat. Or so, even programming them that they don't know what's best for them right there. I know better than you. You must need a coat on because I see that you were outside in the cold. Whereas, yes. right, so, and they're like, well, I'm fine. Why, why is she telling me this, right? Is, yeah, what you've learned from me at the beginning of our talk. Yes. Can you rely on yourself to know what your body needs? Exactly. And the message of the mother forcing the coat is... No, you can't know that you're cold. You, it's the same about sleep, you know? It's like, oh, he doesn't know he's tired. Just let the child go to sleep when they translate the level of tiredness for themselves mm. as now I want to go to sleep, which is, yeah, they go further into tiredness than adults because they're excited about life, unlike many adults. So they, <laughs> so they, take, they, they want to stay as long as they can. Still, when they finally go to sleep, they learn, I know to go to sleep rather than I depend on being put to bed with all this big struggle later on needing a sleeping pill. Right. Physical and mental challenges. Let life be hard. Let suffering, you know, let them practice a little suffering, cold, uh, a difficult hike, uh, a little longer than they can, uh, eat only whole foods. So... You want to teach the child not this is dangerous or this is hard or stay here for your comfort, but hey, we can do it. Let's try that. Right. Let's go boating. And oh no, it's very long and we're tired. We can do it. Let's go. You know, and I'm not saying to push some against their feeling, but we can inspire and participate and create. And it's more like what we shouldn't create. We shouldn't create a life that's so isolated from the challenges of real life. Right. Life is risky. Yeah. Life is risky, life right? Is risky. And there's... Yeah. And I'm not saying to throw a child into the busy street or throw them right. into the cold water when they don't know to swim or agree that they should play with a poisonous snake. No, I'm not an idiot. They <laughs> have brains, of course. I'm just saying don't overprotect to the point that the child has no strength and not no belief in themselves that they can handle the world. Right. That the environment, the air full of microbes is part of us. Right. We have billions of bacteria. Our body is made of it. Bacteria, microbes, viruses. So yeah, well, if there is something that's really dangerous, like, you know, I think Ebola was a lot more dangerous, the Black Plague. We need to look at why our life condition create those diseases because human beings in before agricultural revolution didn't have these problems. Right. Okay. Right. So agriculture, what we eat, how we live, we have certainly created and we need to look at how we create it. So it comes back to the same as what I teach in parenting, right? Like I said in the beginning, how did you teach your child to have those tantrums? You know, by, you know, when they screams hard enough, you give it to them or, you know, when right. you, or you control them and they learn you have to fight or control, right. et cetera, et cetera. And sometimes it's very subtle and I have, that's why people take sessions and I have to help them discover the more subtle ways that they teach children 
but it's all the same thing. We are one. There is no division. Division is only in our imagination. And at every moment, we can connect rather than divide. No matter how much the other side divides, there's no other. We're here together. Pretend it's your child in your home. What mm, would you do? Good message. Good message. And I love the message of also not making, letting them, letting them get, live in a bit of discomfort. We are very comfortable. I find that we're very We are too weak. comfortable. We're weak. Right? We're not, we, we don't like cold. We don't like. We can't yeah. even walk the ground. Yes. We need crutches called shoes. <laughs> I raised my children barefoot, and my firstborn was running barefoot everywhere and right. winning every running competition on rough ground in the middle of the forest against kids who wore shoes. Wow. And he said, Well, they're, they're, they're cripples. You know, all humanity is cripples. They can't use their feet for what they're meant to. We're supposed to walk the ground and the feet become tough and you yeah. can walk on hot and thorny yeah. on stones and everything. But now we have shoes. So we completely made our feet unable to walk the ground. Right. Unable yeah. to naturally form an, a healthy arch. Right. They say so that the, the barefoot <laughs> cultures have a lot fewer, they have a lot fewer problems when you go without shoes. You have a lot fewer problems in terms of your alignment and your foot. You're back development exactly. everything yeah you don't go you know the shoe gives you arch support so your arch yeah. is not doing the work so it becomes weak yes and your whole from the feet your whole structure is distorted and then everybody has back problems on top of it we sit all the time you know the comfort <laughs> I have. we are comfortable and we don't like being uncomfortable so i totally yeah. agree with that we are just so comfortable and we escape life you know i would say to religious people uh you know it's like don't you like what god gave you and non-religious people don't you like what nature gave you right they gave you air with different temperature you don't need a home with this perfect temperature all the time right clothing and the food the moment you're hungry you know right. the hunters and gatherers sometimes for a day or two didn't have food the hunt didn't succeed. Maybe they collected few berries and it just evoked more appetite and had to wait for the big hunt to finally have an actual meal. True. It's, it's nothing wrong with, with that. But we're eating all these foods that are not even food. It's not even that food. That ruin our health and that constantly create satisfaction. And we tell babies all the time, oh, don't, you know, here, jungle this in front of them. You can have this, you can have that. Entertain them all the time turn food into entertainment. It's just make us so, so weak. And you know, again, back to, I, I teach how to raise people who are powerful, right. who are resilient emotionally yes. and physically. I love that. I love that. So, okay. So coming back now to the children, what I really see this as an opportunity right now, because we have some real conversations in my house. My, my son is not part of the school system. He never has been. And he knows that what is going on is, I mean, I keep some of the scary things out of there because I mean, there is, looks like there's an agenda of, you know, like if they're really overdoing the measures, measures and we don't really officially have a pandemic, there's a reason for this, right? There's a, there's a, a desire to control and to track. I mean, we're moving into the surveillance age, money. things like that. Okay. It, it's a lot of money. That's what it is. Um, money and control and definitely, I mean, look at China, you have a social credit score. Right, and that will impact the the um, 
the services that you're allowed to access based on if you're a good citizen or not. Well, who gets to decide that? So this is going in a very, like we're creating these smart, these smart everything, right? We have smart appliances, smart cities, smart cars, smart everything. And, and basically that's just a, a nice word to say that we're tracking, we're, 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 we're looking in. So there are some really big conversations to have with, you, with your willing, with your children, how, and it's going to be different at different ages for sure, but how do we have these conversations with our kids without scaring the crap out of them? Because there's some scary, like as a parent, and to think of what the, where the world is going, it's scary. And, and some said, if you want to see the world, what it's going to be like tomorrow, look at China today. Right. So how do we have these conversations with our kids? Well, I think you personally may be more scared of this than necessarily. <laughs> and a lot of people are. You're representing what's going on. I think how scared we are is what the children will learn from us. I think we can teach children to respect people um, about their fears, but to understand that what other people are doing is because of stories they believe. Um, I have a, a client in Italy where the mother has been taking sessions with me for a while, so she speaks out loud about the process that I teach her to do to realize that it's her thinking and not the child, because the child used to be quite aggressive. It's not anymore because she's learned. But the child learned from her, and she's, she just told me two weeks ago or so that she was upset about something. And he said to her, Mom, why are you upset? What kind of silly story are you telling yourself? <laughs> so children understand that. So I think my direction would be to help children realize and have compassion that people live inside their own stories and that people tell themselves scary stories. You know, it's just... You know, you go around, it, tell yourself scary story, you're going to be scared. It's okay. that simple. So let's get into a specific example. For example, in Alberta, our Public Health Act is basically a document of martial law. It allows for coming into the home without a warrant. It allows for taking children away, away parents away to quarantine them, and they can quarantine them for how they see fit, how long they see fit. They can take your property. They can destroy your property. They can conscript other people to do their bidding for them. If you do not comply, they can have you taken away with force. These are facts within our own current public health act. Now, I am like I don't I don't think that I'm really what I'm really trying to do is just let people aware. I don't want to be fear mongering because I don't I don't want to do that. But the, this is the fact. Of, this is what they and they remove all liability and any harm they cause. So it is a, a legislation that is active right now. How do we talk to our kids about that and about reasons why we're doing certain things in order to not be? Well, you I, can move to a different province. <laughs> I don't know if it's better anywhere else right now, to be honest. I don't know. I don't okay. know. Um, yeah. I, how old are your children? I have one. He's 11. You're 11. Uh, I think an 11 years old is old enough to handle just about anything. Mm, okay. uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be afraid of telling him, but telling him the way you see it. You know, there's. Uh, uh, but only what's needed. I mean, right. if, if nothing that you're doing is going to bring it upon you, then I don't see the point. Right. But if something happens, or somebody tattletale on you, and you think that there is some danger, or that you have an interview with the authorities, and and they coming to your home, I would definitely tell them the truth. That, you know, it's like. I, I, I'm Jewish, or I grew up Jewish. I don't believe in, in any of that stuff. But 
So I know people who went through the Holocaust. And I know that children saw a lot scarier things. Mm -hmm. I know a man who by age six was alone on the street with no parents. Wow. Uh, and he grew up and became an author and an artist and a phenomenal human being. We all end up having emotional problems anyway. So right. if it comes from this or comes from that, I wouldn't be so afraid to tell him. Uh, children can handle it if we come across unafraid. If right. we come across mm. afraid, that's when they are you know, likely right. to feel fear okay. themselves as well. But if you are confident and, and you say, you know, if this is a stupid thing that's happening and this is what we need to do in order to stay off the radar. So even if it's just to avoid authorities coming to your home for any reason, and you tell him, you know, when we go out there, we should put the masks on because we don't want to, you know, get, get any attention uh, from stupid people who run it this way or that way. And you don't even have to call them stupid. They believe they're doing the right thing. They believe they're good. Yeah, I heard about situations like this in Canada, not about COVID, but about other situations where the, um, the child protection services is mm -hmm. over, overdoing it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, in America too, just not quite as extreme and people have more power to take them to court and do something about it, but sometimes not. Sometimes it's really tragic. Um, so most of the time, the kids don't need to know about it. But if the circumstances are such that you need the child to know, I wouldn't be afraid. Okay. And I like that that key distinction there is how you come across if you're not afraid and they'll feel, I think, yeah, then they'll, they'll feel rooted in your strength. Maybe that'll help them stay strong. Yeah, it's like, you know, are you afraid of, of traffic? I mean, you go driving every day. Mm-hmm. You know, right. and you don't, it's not scary to your child to say you have to put your seatbelt on. Right. Driving is dangerous. That's a good example. Right. Or you're sitting in a boat um, and you say you need to have your, your life vest. And it's not scary for them. Yeah, if we capsize, life vest will save your life. And the kids can handle it. Right. You know, that's part of being powerful. Is, in fact, it's an example of what I'm talking about. Expose them more, not less. Let them know there are people who are not running things very well. There are people that we prefer to not, you know, to not have come to our house, like the authorities. Yes. Not because they're bad people. They're doing their job. They think they're doing the right thing. But it's not the right thing for us. We want to stay together and we believe this and this and that. So that's what we do. And it's not any different than putting a seatbelt on in the car and going into the danger of the traffic or putting a life vest in the, in the boat. There are lots of examples like this, or not right. eating certain food because it's not healthy. Mm -hmm. Because it okay. can give you some diseases when you grow up. Right. Okay. Okay, I have one more thing now that I want to talk about. And it's basically, again, I'm concerned about the lack of advocacy. I'm concerned about everybody just complying. Like for example, there was a football team in the US that just bugged me, these young kids, forced to play football in the heat outside with masks on. It's like, that is dangerous, people. Why are parents saying, no, my kid's not going to do that? So I want to know what, if you could have a, an audience of the parents of the world right now, what would you reckon, what, what would you want to say to them? What is your message to them? Yeah, so I, I would not tell them to fight it. I'm not into fighting. I don't think that's what would help people. 
my message would be of what, um, you know, loving what is and responding to reality rather than trying to change it. So if a child really wants to play the game, yeah, I would try to talk them out of doing it with masks, but I would tell my child, look, they're going to enforce masks and it's not good for you. So decide if you want to play the game and I would respect his choice. Uh, but I would be really clear that it's not necessary by my opinion. Uh, but children benefit from learning that they can be in different environments and even act as not within their own principles because, of, because they want to be there. It's a choice we make, just like, again, driving is a good example. You want to stop at red light when there is no cars at all? No, but you want to drive. It works for you to have roads and to get the places fast in, in this culture. So you drive, you stop at red sign, at stop sign or at a red light. You follow the instructions. So it's like a, a parent asked me an equivalent question. She said, oh, my child wants to take ballet lessons. She's only five. Isn't it bad for her to, to be in a class where she follows instructions all the time? I said, no. She knows that's what a class of ballet is. Mm -hmm. A class, you want to learn a skill, it's about following instructions. That's what they do there. That doesn't mean that's what you do in life. She doesn't become a follower of instructions in her relationship with her mother or father or friends. A class is a place where you follow instructions because you don't know and there is a teacher who does know and who is taking you on a ride to learn something. So it's kind of the same thing. You know, you go to a theater or to a concert now it's oppressive to have to sit for a whole hour without talking, not in a concert. In a concert, it's not oppressive. It's what you do when you want to hear live music. My children started going to concerts at age three, classical music. Wow. They knew they could sit in the front row. They made less noise than old ladies taking their, you know, coughing and taking... <laughs> And yeah, against coughing with the noisy paper and, yeah. and hearing loss, so they don't hear how much noise they make. And they whisper and not hear how much noise they make. Anyway, and they could sit there. And we had very clear agreement that if they're tired at the end of the movement or when people clap, that's when we can slide out. I had them know the music, so it's interesting to them. Or we went to a theater or whatever. But in theater... You behave like in theater. You sit quietly, you don't move, you don't talk. It's not oppressive when it's in theater. So today, if they play sports, and that's how they play sports, with masks, I don't like to teach to fight against, because that's what creates division. So I'm not saying you don't try. You may talk to the teacher, you may talk to other parents and, and say, I really think it's not healthy to do it this way and they're far enough from each other, and they're in the air, and anyway, children don't get serious symptoms. Um, but it probably won't help you. The, the brainwash is much too strong. So if it doesn't help you, then you teach your child to respond to reality, not to manipulate reality. Because it's the manipulating reality that makes us feel like victims. Oh, they're not doing what I want, it's wrong, it's bad. But they're doing what they're doing. If I respect it, I try to change what I can. And when I can't, I have a choice. You can play with your mask on. Maybe I'll make a secret hole for you. <laughs> I would do that probably. 
So, okay, so that's that example. The thing is, is I feel like it's working and this is going so far because everybody's complying. That, that's what I see. So there's so many kids in school now, they're, they're wearing masks all day long. And not only that, now school has become a propaganda machine. And I really think it's threatening the nuclear family, the trust in the parents. I mean, there's a WikiHow site that literally teaches kids how to lie so that they can go get vaccinated. To their, they lie to their parents and they, they, they have you seen that? Yeah. Look up WikiHow vaccines. They literally, send me a link. I will. Okay. So they, it literally coaches children that it's okay to lie to your parents when you're going to get vaccines because they don't know this. And, and they, they teach you how to say that you're going to a friend's house. Like, and this, and in school now they're having these, these propaganda machines. And I really feel it's going to take the trust out of home and put it in to these institutions and I, i'm really my advice to parents would be to homeschool mm -hmm. I, I don't see a way out of that answer i mean if if you send your kid to a school and they're indoctrinating them and indoctrinating them against what you know you're raising your child with one idea and they're going against you then your child cannot go to school and, and, and even if you're pro-vaccine even if you were the idea that they're promoting yeah. to lie to your parent, like that, that idea is just, I, yeah, I'm, I'm flabbergasted. It's really bad. I, I, I don't know. I've never, I never heard of this. It sounds atrocious. Um, but if that is the case, I would definitely not send. I would tell the parents, find a private school that doesn't do that. Um, if you absolutely need your child to go to school or talk to the school, of course, but if it doesn't change, then yeah, don't go. yeah. You know, and if a parent say we can't afford it, I say, well, reduce your lifestyle. You know, in, in America and Canada, every time people say they can't afford, I can show them how they could because uh -huh. we live so luxuriously. Uh, you know, I know a family that insisted on homeschooling and in order to do that, lived in a yurt with five girls. Wow. wow. You know, and I know another family that wanted to be full time with their children and homeschooling. They had three children and they just moved. They, they did own a house. They sold it and lived from that money in a much cheaper country setting. Mm -hmm. So these are people who did have some and then, you know, right. did that. I find that people, you know, are willing to live in tents, are willing to rent half the house to someone else to live with them, uh, willing to just go for a smaller house or a house in an area that's just the price is lower. And then maybe one of them that has to work in the city has to commute a little longer. If there is a will, there is a way. Right. Uh, and we need, and it's part of what I said before, we live in too much comfort. It's like if we live more simply, it costs a lot less and we don't need two salaries anymore. Right. But yeah, there are situations with single parents uh, that absolutely that's not possible. Even then, you know, I had a client who was a single mother. Um, she did have some good income, but she wanted to homeschool. So she had the child every five days of the week. She worked four days a week because she had, I think, a good income. Uh, and in each one of these four days, the child was all day long with a different family. Learning diversity, learning to be with different people, became a wonderful human being. Right. 
Eventually, yeah. at an older age, he went to a democratic school. Oh, okay. An, another place that I doubt would enforce right. vaccines. It's right. totally respectful. That's the whole, that's their whole point. Right. So, um, so that would be my solution. Right. It's like, yeah, you have to respond to reality. If it's pouring rain, you don't go outside. You don't say, what do I do about the rain? If the rain, <laughs> if the raincoat or the umbrella doesn't work because it's pouring uh, cats and dogs, then you stay inside, you know? If the school is doing things that are doing too much harm uh, and disrupt your family life or your health or your children's health, then don't go to school. Right. And I think that's probably a much bigger conversation because, yeah, like, you know, parents have this idea. We, we've, been, we've been programmed. Parents have been programmed. I mean, we have gone through the system, but we believe that education looks a certain way and has to be structured in a certain way. And we forget about, we forget about all the things like my son has so many skills and problem solve, problem solving abilities, but nobody would grade him on that in the school. Yeah. Like they, they, who's testing the things that, that like, there's only certain things they test on. What about all the other skills and talents that all these, everybody has to offer that nobody's graded or tested on. Right. You so. know, you and I should have another session about uh, self-directed learning or how children learn and maybe collect from your audience uh, questions in advance or we can do it on zoom with people popping in I'd love and, to and asking questions so it's more like a class um, maybe they pay a certain fee and do that or we can do an interview for free like this um, either way I would love to I would love to because yeah. that is a big, a a big subject yeah. yeah, it's a big subject, and I think it's. Yeah. And I, I know that's what you did with your children, right? You you did that with all three of your boys. They were free; they did right. whatever they wanted. And if they wanted to do something that requires a teacher, like music lessons, uh, then I, I teach. I, I would teach in the class how, when a child does want a discipline, how to support them, and it's still their wish and their idea, mm -hmm. and it's up to them to practice. And, but they have to you make an agreement of, I take you to lessons. This is what, what your side of it is. Fabulous. Okay. So, yeah. So I'm not for wishy-washy parenting where oh, you do whatever you want and you become nobody. I'm not, I'm not that. I think children uh, can do, but it needs to come from them. And they can spend many years just playing. Playing is a great teacher. And playing with mixed ages, not the same group. Like in school, is one of the most most damaging things in school is that the kids are with the same age group or similar ages. And some people say, "Oh no, in our school they they get third and fourth grade together. That's the same ages." Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking real difference. You know, in right. a democratic school, you see the four years olds on the back of the sixteen years olds. Right. That's mixed age. Right. That's okay. the, the teenagers practicing being parents while the little ones are getting people to take care of them or right. people are capable of taking care of them rather than putting the blind with the blind, the five years old yeah. with the four years old. Both yeah. of them are the same, incapable in doing lots of things, end up pulling each other's hair and thinking that that's human behavior, internalizing that as a frame of reference to how to be. So anyway, so this is our little advertisement for a coming okay. up. <laughs> okay, perfect. Okay, yes, great. Let's and do we that. Can talk about how they can learn freely 
on their own or how it goes in democratic schools for those who can do that, which sometimes I think is even better. And I think it's an important topic right now. People are looking, though there are a lot of people that still have gone back to the whole school system, there are other, but there's a huge move. There's, there's different opportunities here where in the city that I live in where people are coming up. And I think even the people that have a difficulty because they are single parents, or whatever, this is the time where the community is coming together to support. And there yeah. are people out there and there's opportunities out there that didn't exist before. So out of, these are some of the silver linings that we see in this chaos is, like I'm getting together with groups that I've never would have been getting together with before. People are coming together in ways that they wouldn't have before because it wasn't required. And now it is. And yes. So this it, is and I would say I talk to a lot of parents because people call me for um, sessions from all over the world. And I see two distinct reactions to the um, uh, staying at home when the children didn't go to school. The reaction that is negative are, is only from those parents who are trying to keep school in the child who is at home. Right. That's mission impossible. You can't do, you don't have that kind of relationship with the child. A parent-child relationship should not be a teacher-child relationship where you, because then you have to control. Mm. So it really doesn't, doesn't work. Uh, and that's the people who are tearing their head up and thinking like, what are we going to do? Because what I tell parents is, Pretend it's summer break. <laughs> have fun. Right. Have fun. Yeah. Together. Yeah, go camping. Have fun. You know, dance, sing, uh, you know, and whatever the child wants to learn and want your involvement in it, great. And if they're doing some classes online, let them do it. It's their thing. But don't be invested in it, making sure that even when they go to school, I tell parents not to be the ones making sure they do homework. It's between them and the teacher. Yeah. They need right. to learn, you know, it's their own relationship, not, not being the, the micromanaging of the child's life if they go to school. Because many of the parents who call me, the child does go to school. And I work with that, you know. I respond to reality. I'm not about changing reality. I don't tell them, don't send them to school. I say, okay, that's how your family works. Let's make it work in the most peaceful way. Right. So if there's more pandemic and we have to stay at home, then have wonderful time with your children at home and don't let schoolwork become a hindrance to that beautiful connection and, and time together. 100%. And I think that's why so many parents were willing to put their, probably they might, there might be some intuition that they're not listening to, but this is probably not the best environment for my kid, but they tried to have school at home and it failed and it was stressful and it wasn't, it wasn't that peaceful relationship. And so they're like, I'm not cut out for this. I can't do this. But what, but they're, it's because we're trying to school at home and that's not what the home is for. And that doesn't have to be what school is. School doesn't work at school. So let alone <laughs> trying to make it work at home. Oh, I love that. Absolutely. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I think we've talked a lot of great stuff. Thank you for this. So I want to, I want to bring up again. Okay, so your your website is NaomiAldort.com. That's right. It's either my name, NaomiAldort.com, or AuthenticChild.com, or AuthenticParent.com. Not parenting, parent. Just singular. AuthenticParent.com. Uh, there are videos, there are articles, uh, there are CDs still. I'm not printing more, but there's still some awesome CDs and MP3s. Uh, and the blog, 
uh, and information about how to do family intensive, like coming over here to study with me, how to do sessions on Skype or Zoom all over the world, how to sign up for them and, and, and book it with me, um, how to create classes, web classes, or invite me over physically. Recently, I'm not traveling physically. Oh. Uh, but you were. <laughs> you've been all over. You've spent a lot I've of time. all over. Australia. Yeah. Yeah. I've been all over. a lot. And again, uh, this yeah. is well, your amazing book. Love, raising love, our love. children, raising ourselves uh, is very transforming your life kind of book. Um, and yeah, a book session, organize workshop, organize small group. I'm very flexible. Sometimes people just want a group of five parents from very immediate friends. Uh, and I make up a price and we make up time and we do a class. So I'm totally open for creative ideas. And most people just take the private sessions because then... You can ask all your questions right. and either work deeply on your issues, which is so important for the child, uh, or just get answers and guidance for specific solutions uh, for whatever is going on. And all the way from very severe issues to daily, normal, you know, living with children, living a life and with germs. <laughs> nice. Amazing. Love it. Living with oh. life with dogs and cats and viruses and yes. bacteria and, yes. and, and life and wind and cold and dancing with life yeah. rather than running away from it. That's, I love it. You know, get, it. get you power. And I've saved also a lot of marriages. Ah, um, oh, okay. <laughs> it's all connected. You know, the problem of the couple is the problem it's all the same. So I work, I do the work of Byron Katie with people, especially the oh, couple yeah. work um, and, and other communication skill building and my own inventions and play therapy for the children and for the whole family um, to resolve lots and lots of issues. So don't wait. And then so many people say to me, oh, I wish I called you three years ago. When exactly. <laughs> exactly. We let things fester, right? We, yeah, let we fester. think we know, we think we'll read by ourselves and we'll do it and da, 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 da. And then, oh, I see. Because what we're blind to, we can't see. You may think that everything is going great and you're resolving the problem, but getting another person to see and to hear what's going on, you get a different perspective and you oh. get you know, I see what people usually can't see. Right. That's, that's my gift. Okay. So great gift. So everyone, if you're needing help in your, in your marriage, in your family life, guidance, just need another perspective, need to tweak something, then I think Naomi and is- pregnancy and birth. I help people do it helpfully. Pregnancy and birth as well. We've got yeah, the whole life cycle. You have to go to, yeah, you don't have to, birth doesn't have to be dangerous or scary no. either. Agreed. Agreed. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you, Naomi, for this time today. I really appreciate it. A lot of wisdom, a lot of, a lot of making sense, right? A lot of things don't make sense these days and you're coming from a place of making sense, which I love. <laughs> yes. Okay. Thank you, Sasha. Thank you for putting your time into making a difference and for having me on. Oh, thank you.